I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi everyone and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. Hello everyone and welcome to Pixels, a video game show where we talk about video games. Imagine that! We gather the news from the past couple of weeks, we put them in a giant bunch of analysis and we deliver them to you ready to consume. And if that sounds disgusting, that's because you have no taste, sir or madam, or something to that effect. My name is Patrick Beja. And to accompany the delicious bowl of news that we're going to be serving you today is the one wonderful Scott, jo Scott Johnson. How's it going, Scott? Scott Johnson. <laughs> uh, I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me, Patrick. I'm, I'm very happy to be here. So we did an episode of Pixels like a mere 10 days ago, even less, almost a week ago, and we're already back. Yeah, that was, a, a, that was a fun episode, though, because we got to sum up all the stuff that we had heard or learned from uh, E3 and, you know. All no, the... I was talking about the Nertacular one. Oh, that one. Yeah, we did. Oh, that's yeah. right. We did it out in the sun. You know why I forgot yeah. why I spaced it is because I was the sun was directly on me and Jeff Kanata the yeah. entire time. And I'm pretty sure our <laughs> brains were baked. So, lost a bunch of brain cells that day. Basically, but it was fun. It was good. It was and yeah, um, I love that. That was a great time. And basically, uh, we are back today because it is uh, German super fun extrava extravaganza time. Um, it's Gamescom. Yeah. yeah Scott uh, Johnson, do you know what Gamescom is? I do. So, so, so what I like about Gamescom is that it's like E3 in a way. Well, in a very big way. I mean, it's basically the, it's basically the European E3 or it's become that. Um, but what I think I like about it almost more than E3 is it is less at least i feel like it's less markety less um industry trying to talk to retail uh as opposed you know as opposed to what e3 is which is entirely that um or in a lot of ways yeah and well there's we get a lot of announcements and things but i feel like gamescom is more focused on the games and maybe it's because i'm from afar but it feels that way It's well. It's there's definitely a lot of that happening as well. I mean, uh, I've been I've gone to Gamescom for the past five years. I wasn't here. I wasn't there that this year uh, since I don't work for Blizzard anymore. I d I wasn't going to confront myself with the hordes and hordes of sweaty Germans because the main difference with E3 is that E3 is mainly a an industry event. Uh, Gamescom is largely a consumer event. You have close to three hundred thousand people or spread over the um, the entire the, the duration of the show which is several days but you know almost 300,000 people which I'm fairly sure makes it the biggest uh, consumer video game event in the world um, it's massive you also have lots of deals happening I mean um, we would 
spend days cooked up in a room uh, doing interviews on interview on interview uh, for basically the three press days, the three or yeah, three press days um, with the developers basically answering the same questions <laughs> over and over again. I felt so bad for them. Um, but you know, it's, that's, that's the way it works. It's uh, completely fair. And uh, usually um, for, for Blizzard, at least people come with a, a measure of enthusiasm that is refreshing for sure. So, yeah. um, and it is totally public, right? Like there's obviously with 300,000, people but it's one of the yeah. other differentiators uh compared to say e3 um it's closer to something maybe more akin to pax although pax is much smaller in terms of scope um than gamescom but i i just love that there's something this big i know the tokyo mm. game show gets pretty pretty gnarly or at least it did in its heyday i don't know about now not so much um, now yeah when, when back in the early 2000s when there was two of them um you know there was uh spring and and fall or winter and summer i can't remember it, it was pretty crazy in tokyo as well but i don't think it was as crazy as this is now um but uh there, there's definitely you know a business center and my friends who were there uh, this year told me that they basically doubled the size of the business center it's uh, it's pretty massive um but yeah for sure it's definitely a, a, a consumer a public facing event as well and when you go see the the, the stands and the the booths uh, they're insane they're gigantic it's like you know three e3s put mashed together um <laughs> the big difference i guess between e3 and and gamescom most years and uh, in part this year as well is that at e3 you hear about the games and uh, at gamescom you get to play them so that's what most of the journalists look forward to at gamescom uh it's the fact that they can actually play the game that they've only heard about or seen a demo of um at e3 and that's the main difference for the industry well and and more and more i feel like more and more and i think blizzard proved that yesterday but more and more gamescom has also become a platform for announcements and the major ones too like waiting waiting past the industry standard that is e3 uh, or even their own conference in some cases, and not just Blizzard, but other companies. And they use Gamescom as their platform to to make big, splashy announcements that would normally reserve for something else. And I think that that bodes well for, you know, with, uh, obviously there's a huge gaming audience in in the UK and in, in Europe on the whole and, and uh, you know, certainly other parts of the world. And that's just growing and China continues to be, you know, I, I keep wondering when when do we get our first big, massive Chinese-based gaming conference that has mm. to be something coming it just has to and i know that they consume them differently their their focus is different it's so much more mobile so much less console so much less pc um but but then again just by sheer numbers there's a lot of that stuff too so one of these days i swear man the big conference <laughs> the, the monster of the mall will happen in like shanghai or something well, they do have a, a game conference called China Joy, uh, which honestly I only know because things were happening for Blizzard, uh, uh, you know, so I was aware just for work reasons. Uh, so they do have at least one, which is pretty massive. Uh, I don't think it's as big uh, as it is for us, though. And in, in many ways, it's also less uh, popular with us because, as you were saying, they play in different ways and they do play different games. Um, th uh, there is some crossover, of course, uh, some games that we enjoy they enjoy as well um, but in the the territory of MMOs for example we always joke that the uh, Asian MMOs and by that we mostly mean Chinese Korean and uh, to an extent Japanese are very grindy and and it's true that 
for some reason, you know, the, the Asian culture and the Asian populations and the Asian psyche maybe is uh, more willing to go and grind in, in MMOs. And when we say grind, it, it's really just going and ki killing monsters over and over again without that added game design of questing, which mm -hmm. is the main motivation for us since, since WoW came out. So anyway, my point is they do a lot of those, uh, uh, some different types of games, but that's not to say that there isn't crossover. And, and certainly League of Legends is very popular there and you have uh, Hearthstone, which is very popular. So there is there are similarities, but China Joy, is, uh, I'm curious, you know, I'm going to check it out. China yeah. Joy, um, I would not have heard about it if it wasn't, you know, well, for, for that reason, and that's, I mean, here's my thinking. There's so much population and yeah, so, people, in Asia, so much yeah. going on. Yeah, that we just don't, we may not even hear about some of this stuff. A fledgling, small, just starting out conference there could be bigger than anything we do simply just because of the scale. And so it's entirely possible that it's just off our radar until it isn't. And then suddenly it's the biggest thing yeah. ever. You know, I wonder how much of that would attract, I don't know, it... As usual, gaming, I think gaming is a big one of these, but but these kinds of uh, consumer technologies, they tend to bring the world, uh, make the world a lot smaller rather than bigger. And my thinking is uh, that that's a very exciting prospect. Uh, just coming from a political, sort of geopolitical position, mm. gamers all coming together from different parts of the world and having these multiple conferences around the world and and, and having this common thing seems seems like it bodes well for the people of these countries and their ability to to find a lot of crossover and common ground and i don't know maybe, yeah. maybe this sounds optimistic but boy, maybe one day that means less government uh bumping up against <laughs> each other i don't know well you know if only for political and economic reasons uh china just uh, started allowing game consoles on the territory again uh, yep. very recently so that might also be a reason why it, there wasn't as much crossover it was all pc in china because consoles were basically uh forbidden and yeah. now that it's not the case anymore uh both microsoft and 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 sony are going to jump on this and certainly we're going to see a, a lot of the uh development being tailored to those markets and some crossover is going to um to be bred i guess for for um <laughs> the games that they already have, and we might see some Chinese developers start to get into these kinds of markets of European markets, I mean, Western markets as well. But the yeah. thing is, the, the Asian markets are so huge, and China in particular. Uh, if you can crack China, and uh, of course, it's not the same standard of living, not everyone is going to have a console, but if you can crack China, Korea, and Japan... Yeah. You don't even need other countries. And I'm not even talking about India yeah. as well, right? Which is also in a, in a similar situation economically. You're not going to have uh, as big a percentage of the population uh, being equipped with consoles. But it's such a huge market. It's, I'm guessing they're going to be focusing on those first and maybe export, export things to, to the West later. But... Um, yeah, it's interesting, and I, I don't know. I feel like it's such. A, it's always been so weird to me that these consoles are are uh, largely manufactured in China, and then they leave, and they were never <laughs> allowed there. But now they are. Yeah. Like that, that stuff's just crazy to me. But I'm yeah, I, I had to see that all. all I'm curious to know. I'm curious to know if uh, Playstations and and Xboxes are manufactured in China. It, it would be the logical thing, but uh, I know a lot of that's Mexico now for for Xbox. Uh, hmm. Sony, I have to think they've got some. Yeah, I would guess so, but yeah. Anyway. yeah. anyway, you know what? 
Gamescom yeah, is Gamescom. what we're talking about. Uh, and S- Leipzig or Cologne? It's Cologne, which- Cologne. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I, Leipzig what the, was the previous version, which wasn't called Gamescom, and I can't remember now what what it was called. Uh, but yeah, it's it's Cologne now. Um, it's it's uh, five days of absolute madness. Um, we have, and as you were saying, we've had uh, interesting announcements from companies that usually wouldn't do those, uh, specifically Microsoft. Microsoft. Um, and we also had a, a cool press conference from EA and, of course, a press briefing uh, from Blizzard where they announced their latest expansion, which which will uh, be coming out probably early next year. Uh, but we're going to go over all of this. because Before I say this, you, you were mentioning uh, Europe and different conferences. Sony is also going to have a press conference at uh, Paris Games Week, which I believe is in October, maybe mm-hmm. November. Um, so Microsoft took Gamescom and uh, Sony is going to be taking uh, Paris. So mm. we'll see what they announce there. But um, yeah, so Microsoft, let's start with those. Um, when we were discussing E3, I think we were both, I don't know, a little bit disappointed by Microsoft's uh, showing. It was good, but I think it focused a little bit on 2015, which, you know, we still had like six months of, so it's it, it made sense, but we couldn't really see what was happening beyond uh, the end of the year. And they really fixed that. I guess they had, you know, Gears of War, but be, that was the only thing. Uh, but they really fixed that at, um, at Gamescom with three, mainly three games uh, that were presented at length. Uh, the first one is Quantum Break. Second one is Crackdown 3. And the third one is Scalebound. And all of those we knew about, but we really hadn't seen much. Um, I'm curious if, if, you know, any of those or maybe something else caught your eye, um, Scott. Well, so Scalebound, really interesting to me. Um, That did catch my eye. That seemed really neat. And I think that may be, I don't know, that's going to scratch a lot of people's itch uh, for things like Monster Hunter because it feels like there's some of that in there. Um, Mm -hmm. There's also... I don't know, just kind of a, there's, there's something about that that feels original um, in terms of uh, look and feel. It doesn't feel like an, a rehash of something or, or an attempt to take a genre that's already selling well and cash in on it, which I always like to see that. I'm, I'm kind of partial to that, which is why I felt like Sony performed better at E3 in terms of their presentation. I always like that stuff a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the thing that surprised me is because there was like literally zero mention of Quantum Break from Remedy or Crackdown 3, at, at E3, E3, you mean? Yeah, at yeah. E3. There was zero mention of those games. And I thought that meant, uh-oh, like yeah. a lot of stuff from the previous year, they have had to scale back. They fired the whole TV team thing that they were doing, uh, which seemed very tied into Quantum Break at the time. And I thought, well, that that's that bodes badly for that game, so probably going to never even hear about it again. I thought those games may have turned out to be vaporware, and Crackdown 3 was only shown in some sort of like mini sort of trailer cinematic type thing yeah yeah so to hear that those are not only still happening but seemingly quite well uh really got me excited and in particular crackdown three and i don't know what it is but in the xbox generation at least with crackdown one i i I didn't think much of two but i thought crackdown was really really fun it was a great take on uh sort of the gta gta open world you know sandbox games and it did things differently. Um, you could you could argue that Saints Row Four kind of st- stole a bit of that thunder in terms of 
you know, I don't know if returning to something where you're essentially a superhero uh, is is all that unique feeling anymore because mm. a lot of well, others are taken from that. So I'll go back to Scalebound uh, yeah. a little bit later because I want to talk about it more. But uh, Crackdown, I wasn't part of that uh, crowd at the time, but it was really the first one was one of the defining games for the uh, for the Xbox 360. And I never play, played it. I'm curious for you know someone to explain to me exactly what it was and what it attained that uh cult status in the in the player base mm-hmm. yeah well and it, it's such an interesting but what was it what did you do it was just an open world game and that's it i heard like yeah, you scale you buildings were, and you did and you could at some point you could gain abilities that let you essentially kind of hulk leap around and um Gameplay wise, I mean, it was what you expect. It's like, here's missions and their side missions and the main missions are part of a, a core story and you do those missions and, and, you know, they, they involve destroying a lot of things or killing a guy or, or, you know, uh, driving through a place where you got to take down a bunch of pedestrians or whatever. It was, it was a lot more over the top kind of post-apocalyptic futuristic Blade Runner-y kind of, kind of vibe to it. It definitely wasn't GTA in the sense that it was set in some reality where mayhem could take place. It was definitely sort of futury and at the time it featured and they still seem to be going for this but at the time it featured kind of, i guess you could call them cell shaded graphics the aesthetic was very hard dark outline characters not cartoony but very um so was, was or, it like a gta that didn't take itself seriously and that yeah, was I the would, attra- yeah i, I would okay. argue that yeah it yeah. also very um oh it's it's hard to say i'm trying to think of a good comparison because there aren't very many good ones it was base it was basically trying to create a like just a goofier car. It was almost like a Saturday morning cartoon that you could play. Mm, and, okay. and, but, but, but serious. And, you know, it had some hard edges and it was pretty violent and all that. But lots of big explosions. The, you know, the, here's what you'd get. It's basically like saying, let's take GTA, uh, let's say GTA 2. Uh, and then let's mash that up with Infamous. All right. And that's c- kind of what this game is, in my opinion. When okay. I play. Oh. All right. Well, I, I definitely I'm interested in the game for sure. Um, it's got, you know, it looks really cool. You've got in uh, a multiplayer mode that is separate from the uh, single player mode. In the single player mode, it's they call it the ultimate sandbox. And uh, you have a vehicle that can transform in like, I don't know, some kind of a transformer vehicle, which I'm always, you know, okay for. Um, the multiplayer is has 100% destructible environment and they achieve that by outsourcing all of the uh, computing to the cloud they have this microsoft you know windows azure cloud that does all the computing for you that the the xbox couldn't do um so that could be interesting we'll see um and the beta is gonna arrive in summer next year so we're really for everything that was introduced at that show it's uh, squarely into um 2016 Mm-hmm. And okay. um, so, yeah, we'll see. I, I never played it. I never really got into it. I'm curious to see what's going to happen with uh, Crackdown 3. Yeah, scale um, Scalebound, uh, speaking of Scalebound, well, I guess yeah. you were talking about that more. Go ahead. What were you going to say about yeah, that? Yeah, so, yeah, Scalebound um, is basically a game that is uh, developed by Platinum Games. Uh, they do Bayonetta, and they did Metal Gear Solid Revengeance. So th- these types of games, they know action. Uh, and the way it was introduced, we really didn't know much about the game, and the way it was introduced was pretty cool you would have this uh 
uh, sort of uh, medieval world with a bunch of soldiers uh, in armor uh, seeing a dragon show up and they start freaking out and the dragon lands and there's a guy on the dragon and uh, he jumps off the dragon he starts chatting with the dragon the dragon is you know growling and doing those noises it but you know more (laughs) realistic for a dragon Um, and he's like oh well uh, if you're afraid you can get behind me if you want and the dragon goes and and you know it's kind of these irreverent chatter type Mm -hmm. and and then he puts on uh, headphones like modern headphones Mm -hmm. and he there's this techno music that starts starts playing and he starts you know he proceeds into killing all of the the enemies that are uh, that are there while ordering the dragon to destroy structures or stomp on 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 some of the soldiers and that kind of thing and and then there's a monster that shows up and then they attack both him and the dragon attack that monster and the guy can uh, get a kind of um you know transformation that is linked to his dragon apparently and uh you know it's it's that kind of uh, over the top action type of thing um and then so that already looked kind of cool um and then they show another scene where he he walks to another monster that's even bigger that has nothing to do with the first one uh, and his dragon is behind him and uh, he looks at the thing and he's like oh crap that's you know a lot bigger than the previous one but then you have other people other players uh, that show up as well and with different monsters so you had one that was kind of a spectral tiger kind of thing and you have different types of monsters and obviously it introduces the uh, multiplayer mode which is a four-player co-op multiplayer um, and they they all fight the monster together um, so there are a couple of things first of all it looks kind of cool it looks neat it's not the best looking game I've ever seen but it's not bad looking um, and that that the thing that really uh, I think interested me in this is that I'm wondering how much of it uh, as you were saying Scott draws from Monster Hunter which is becoming really popular for a niche part of the population in the West uh, because it's really Monster Hunter is super complex and you have to be very hardcore to even start enjoying the game like it, you you really learn the game enough to love it after like 20 hours of play um, and and this thing seems like it might i have no idea it's just you know very um very vague at this point but it might bring that kind of feeling of monster hunter with the giant monsters that you have to hit at the right point and then you get something from them and the multiplayer elements mm-hmm. uh, and just the cool aspect of having different monsters maybe collecting them maybe uh, uh hunting them to get the the cool one that no one else has all these kinds of things so um i'm i'm definitely interested in that game it's coming out holiday 2016 so it's still uh, a ways away but uh I'm curious. There, there are very, three very important elements here. Um, one is the legacy of this company. They, 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 they not only know how to make fun action games, all right, and and make chaotic fun action games like the Bayonetta series is. Ah, uh, yeah. Seems like it shouldn't work. It should be a mess. It should be too hard to play. It should be uh, a visual overload. It should be all these things. But instead, it's one of the most inventive games that also controls impeccably it feels good no matter your level of skill no matter how deep you want to get into that control system even if you just want to be kind of a a basic button masher it feels good across the board and 
that's key for me in this because if you're going to give me a little monster hunter and you're going to give me that thing with a little less grind because monster hunter is a grind for a lot of yeah people. yeah for sure um but you give me that you give me a really unique setting an interesting mashup of old and new like they're doing with you know sort of modern and, and ancient uh, in this fantasy setting uh the, that is an incredible element. So you've got the control and the legacy of those games. You've got the Monster Hunter legacy of what people like to play or what they want to see. And I really feel like there's just a drop or two of of, of um, uh, the Souls games in this. And uh, Oh, you uh, think Dark so? Souls. The Souls yeah. game? Just a little bit. Just a taste mm-hmm. of, like, right timing, learn, learn um, you know, spending a lot of time learning right. what a thing does so that you make sure you time it right and then sweet hard to master but i did it or i move on to the next thing like and, and there's, you're right there in the monster hunter series there is definitely some of that for sure yeah, yeah. understanding so, so, the monster and striking at the right time in the right place sure sure there's a bit of that there too so 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 having those legacies wrapped up in these tight tight controls that that they're known for is mm. is just beyond exciting and it's the first sort of one of these that I think I'm actually going to pay some attention to, and it may sell me an Xbox. Like that, that may be the one I finally go. Yep, I need an Xbox One for this. Huh, feels that's really, feels really strong to me. Yeah, that's interesting. Actually, um, I, I I'll talk about this a little bit more um, later about the effect that this has on uh, on the Xbox as a, an option for for gamers. Um, before that, though, one more word about uh, Quantum Break, which I really was not expecting anything about. And uh, they had a pretty lengthy um, gameplay demo and explained a little bit more about how the game is going to work. And um, basically, Quantum Break is all about time control and the timeline breaking. And they integrated this in uh, gameplay by giving you, like... One of the weapons you can wield, it seems, is kind of these time bubbles that you can uh, throw on enemies, which will slow them down dramatically, or use on yourself and your area, and it will slow down things like, it seems, you know, uh, bullets and stuff like that, so you can move away. Uh, For those who don't know, uh, the developer is Remedy, which has um, Alan Wake and, most importantly, Max Payne in their uh, bag. So they know how to do these kinds of things. You know, they integrated the bullet time mechanic in Max Payne, and and they were the first time to do that. It it was super fun. Um, So Quantum Break seems to integrate this aspect aspect of it with these time bubbles you would you know if if you have enemies in front of you you put a time bubble on them run to the side as they're stuck in time and then you know the time bubble dissipates and you can shoot them in the head um it seemed to work obviously it's very it might be very gimmicky we we would need to see a little bit more and and get a hands-on to make sure Uh, but it seemed like it, it, it was working and the other aspect is that they also have a kind of a TV show associated with the game. Not, you know, it's not a TV show that's going to go on TV, but at some point you're going to put the controller down and watch a 22 minutes or so episode of a TV show, a uh, live action TV show. And that happens about four times in the game. Um, and you, you, depending on what you did and what you, you will do after, it will change what happens in that TV show. And you will also be able to see uh, things in the live action scenes that you will see from a different perspective within the game. Or maybe you're going to have in the game afterwards, you know, you walk into a room and time is going by super quickly. So you see, um, you know, 
furniture moving around as you're walking in the room and uh, you see a person uh, walking around in the room really quickly maybe several days go by within this uh, you know the the space of uh, uh, you know 20 seconds um, and and that integrated TV show is super tricky it, it, many different games have tried this and I don't think anyone has succeeded it's usually very boring but the fact that you could have this interaction between the two And most importantly, um, the actors seem like great actors and the production value seems really good. Uh, you have Sean Ashmore, which people might know as Iceman from the uh, X-Men movies. Uh, Aidan Gillen, who's Littlefinger in Game of Thrones. He was in, uh, in um, ah, the TV show... The other oh. one, uh, oh. The Wire. Right, um, right. And Dominic uh, Monaghan, who was also in The Wire. Um, and he was in uh, Fringe. Um, yeah, that guy's great. Like so him. it all looks like it's it's really well done. And if they manage to... I, I Again, it's kind of a... I, we've only seen a little bit, but I want to believe. And it's it's they definitely did it well. It's not crummy. You know, it's not kitschy it doesn't look like a thrown away tv show put together it's not a full motion video from the uh, 2000s um so yeah it, it's coming out april 5th by the way so it's a little bit earlier than the other two um yeah i'm, I'm very curious about quantum break now i really thought it wasn't going to happen i'm so so i'm so, so i'm happy just to even hear it seemed innovative when they first announced it it sounds like a lot of the stuff that they wanted to do with the live action side and all that is still being retained. And also, uh, I guess maybe I'm most excited about the fact that Remedy, who's known for the mechanics you're talking about, are basically evolutions and iterations upon what they've been doing for years and years and years. The original Max Payne games, uh, I, I'm, I'm feeling that again and, and, and in the best way. Um, th this is them taking those concepts, dealing with time, slowing down time, dealing with bullet time, And in some ways, they invented that stuff in video games. Um, this is them refining that to a to a to a fine point, and so I'm 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 jazzed about all of that. How that stuff will all integrate, uh, I don't know. It, does it will it match Microsoft's original ambitions with TV show combo game thing stuff that they showed originally? I don't know. I mean, that'll that'll all have to. I, I don't think we can predict any of that until we see it. But but remedy is really never let me down. I didn't play a lot of Alan Wake because it scared the hell out of me. I can't play games like that. I don't <laughs> like dark and light and stuff like that. Uh, the way that game worked. But um, but yeah, there, this, one's, this one looks awesome. And it, it probably is... Um, it, it could... It, it strikes me as a system seller in a very mainstream way here in the States if they can pull that off and if the gameplay loop uh, is yeah. is what they're showing it to be or seems as compelling as it is because they need they'll need that. For this to for this to work, otherwise it does feel a little gimmicky. The, the gameplay's just got to stack up to the gimmick, and I'm fine with a gimmick if the gameplay stacks up. Mm. It's it's really the key there, because uh, basically they have to manage to make a, a cool game and a cool TV show. So it's you know two very different types of expertises, um, and and it's very easy to mess up either, and that diminishes the entire product. So. I guess we'll see, but at least what they've shown until now wasn't cringeworthy, which honestly wasn't a given. So no, no, no. I think we'll that, I think it's a small miracle that it is. Yeah. And so, <laughs> um, 
Another piece of news is the fact that all future uh, Xbox games that you get you get with games with gold are going to be available on Xbox One. Uh, I'm talking about the Xbox 360 games, of course. Right. Uh, so all of them are going to be available on Xbox One through the uh, backwards compatibility uh, feature that they announced at E3, and that's gonna, that's going to start in November 2015, uh, which is, by the way, when uh, the Xbox is going to get Windows 10 and Cortana also. Um, and Scott, you were down. You weren't so you know happy with that backwards compatibility thing. Um, and and at that point, I basically said it would be it would probably make uh, games with gold games uh, compatible. Which means instead of getting two games every month, you get four. And obviously, you know, two of them are going to be older. But doesn't that kind of excite you a little bit more? Very, very much so. Um... So, oh, well, there you so go. Let me, let, let 180, me, Scott. <laughs> let me set the record straight on my actual original feelings. My original feelings weren't that this was ever a bad thing. It was actually Scott, very- I think I know your feelings better than you do. <laughs> it was always a very good thing. It just felt like a weird afterthought. Like, well, then give it to me at launch. Give me, you know, there was right. all this talk in the original launch of both this and PlayStation. And well, we're not doing backwards compatibility, blah, 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 blah. And I, And my feeling at the time was... Well, I usually don't care anyway after about the first couple of months because I'm just interested in the new games anyway. I don't really care about putting old discs in my in my new stuff. And I know that appeals to a lot of people, but for me, it feels old and weird and I'm not interested in, in the last generation of games anymore, pretty much. Now, that only really applies, oddly enough, to like AAA titles and stuff um, for me. They look like, you know, you look at them and you go, Ugh, this does not look as good as it this new stuff looks so not interested. But when it comes to smaller indie things, even something as old and as venerable as like Geometry Wars, making that backwards compatible and making that run, and since I already own it, make that play on an Xbox One, just here it is, play it, go, is fantastic. So now you're telling me uh-huh. these ageless games or games potentially that are sort of ageless, the, you, know, uh, uh, you know, games that are like live arcade games or whatever, if you're telling me those are going to be day and date ready for Xbox One, play just as well as they would on a 360, uh, and then that's all part of this backwards compatibility plan, now we're talking. That That's a great uh, value add without question. I'm just. Oh, not, that's what I was saying back at E3. You you were, and, and you made that but point. But it wasn't. I wasn't yeah. sure they were going to go that far. Right. I figured it was just going to be, oh, I can play Madden 2010 on here. Like. <laughs> It didn't interest me in that way, but but this this is a big development to me, and you called it, and it's it's the right move, and it really does. It, it for me, it, it it is a 180. It, it changes the entire equation. Okay. So, so yes, I'm all into this. This is great. Okay, fair enough. Um, so they they presented a, a couple of other things. Uh, there was notably Tomb Raider, where they showed uh, what they called Gorilla Gorilla Combat, not Gorilla Combat, although that would be cool too. Um, Gorilla Combat, where you could choose to take a camp through stealth or you know aggressive gun gunplay. Um, so whatever, Tomb Raider, I'm ready for it. My buddy is ready. I I can't wait. Um, but overall, I think that what they achieved something pretty cool. Uh, with this uh, Gamescom, which is, and it might be because I just bought an Xbox One. Um, uh, Yoan actually on my French show uh, commented that 
I, I've been very positive about this uh, Gamescom showing for Microsoft, and it might just be because now that I have the console, I want to love them. It's very possible, but it, the, the fact remains that when I look at E3, where they showed a very strong uh, lineup for 2015, and with Gamescom, where they're showing a really strong lineup, lineup for 2016 as well, between those three games mainly and um, the the backwards compatibility being put to, being put to good use, I, I'm sort of uh, in a position where I was recommending the PlayStation Four more than the Xbox One before, and now it's kind of you know it always depends on the exclusive games you want, but now it's kind of equivalent. It's, it's really it's impossible to um, to to set them apart. And in last week's episode or. Yeah, last episode, uh, Jeff was saying, you know, I was talking about the fact that Sony has sold so many more um, consoles than than Microsoft. And I was asking Jeff, so do you think Sony has won the consoles wars? And of course, if the numbers is what you're looking at, it's it's kind of almost over, almost. Uh, but he said, you know what? It doesn't mean anything. The, the Xbox One is here to stay and it's really cool and it has cool games. And he sort of, you know, punched me in the face a little bit. And I, I realized he wasn't wrong. Um, it makes sense. And now with this showing, they are absolutely, it seems, as good, both of them. And they both have great lineups and great games coming. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not so down on the Xbox One anymore. No, I'm not either. I mean, these things take time. It took a little longer than I'd hoped in terms of exclusivity stuff and all that. But um I, you know, I'm disappointed in one way that the Tomb Raider, here's what I wish about Tomb Raider. I wish it was an actual exclusive. Um, right. Instead, what they've done is they've just paid a lot of money to get it for a full year before PlayStation 4 gets it. Yeah. And, and PC is going to get it only a few months after. Yeah, Xbox yeah, yeah. Too. Like for uh, January or February or something. Yeah, yeah, they said early 2016, I think. Yeah, yeah. So we'll get it first quarter of 2016 on PC, which is probably where I'll prefer to play it regardless. But um the fact that it's that they just got this year is not annoying as a PlayStation owner. I understand, and and I understand the deal, and I think it's good that they want to get these deals. But I, part of me wishes they just would outright bought them or had them or owned them or something, and and that this was now an Xbox Microsoft property, the way that Halo or something else is. Now other people are going to say, Scott, what are you talking about? Exclusives are bad. It's not good for the ecosystem. Wait, 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 wait a second, Scott. What are you talking about? Exclusives oh. are bad. They're not part of the. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's what I'm saying. I guess I, I actually disagree with my own premise. However, that game, if it were theirs, would absolutely be a system seller. And yeah, it's I, kind I, of rooting I, for Microsoft. Yeah, it is. And, and, and I'm in this mood right now to, to root for them. Um, they've got they're doing so many things right on so many other fronts, uh, barring their weird privacy crap in Windows 10. But anyway... Um, I like I like their new approach to things. I like their, their their sort of platform agnostic services approach on all their other technology sides, and I and I want to root for them now. I feel like you know the the cold steely uh, corporation has has opened up a little bit, loosened up a little bit, and I'd like to see the Xbox uh, partake in that. So I guess I'm I'm rooting for them. I wish I cared more about Halo these days. I've played a lot of Halo in my day, but I don't really care about Five. Mm. It's not Bungie. It's, you know, it's, I don't know. It's just not the same anymore for me. So, so they just offer me so little in terms of what to get excited about other than some of the stuff we're talking about today. 
And I just wish that Tomb Raider thing was more of an actual exclusive for them, meaning they would benefit from that. Um, not in the current. Listen, if they would have bought it outright and that would have really pissed everybody off. It just would have been like, <laughs> oh, great. Microsoft threw money around so they could have a game nobody else has. What a bunch of jerks. So I'm not saying in that context. Well, that's the game, though. That's that's how it works. Uh, it Sony game. certainly isn't, you know, not doing it. They got uh, exclusive rights to Street Fighter V. Yeah, they're also the only console that we, well, I don't think any of this has been 100% confirmed, but but No Man's Sky appears to be that in PC and yeah. and thing else at this point. So they've they and they've really supported that. So they so they certainly do the same game. I totally get that. I just imagine a world where Tomb Raider uh, the announcement was that Crystal Dynamics and the IP were purchased by Microsoft. Let's say this is a couple of years. They bought them outright. And now Microsoft publishing a new Tomb Raider, which is true. They, they are on that platform. But wouldn't it be, you know, I don't know. I just think it'd be like, remember when they <laughs> bought Halo, that was coming to all sorts of stuff and then they bought it. You then, want to you want to have more reason to to root for Microsoft. So yeah, I guess another question is: Are you going to buy a, a, an Xbox One this year? I'm sure you're going to buy one eventually. There's going to be one game that you want to play, but this year or um, oh, boy, that question is a big one. Yeah. Ye- All right. So no yeah. answer. Okay. Here's my here's my guess. So if if there were no VR things coming out this fall, I probably would say yes. But I feel like the HTC Vive. Uh, slash Steam VR stuff is probably where my extra gaming money is going to go this year. And it's what I'm most interested in, I think. Um, So it's not that I won't, but even what we'd heard about at Gamescom so far and what we know about Microsoft for this calendar year, there's nothing really in in any of that that has me jumping up and down to get one. All Um, right. That's fair. That's fair. I wish I could say elsewise because I really want to feel differently, but they just aren't giving it to me yet. And these games that they showed, maybe... But we're talking yeah. 2016 on a lot of this. And, you know, mm. I just don't know if this is the year. Well, maybe, you know, it's true that it's because I now have an Xbox One that I'm looking on all of this a bit more favorably. But uh, certainly I'm excited. So, um, all right, let's go over what EA talked about very quickly. And then we'll talk about Blizzard. Um, basically, they didn't have a lot of new things. Uh, they talked about the new mode in uh, Star Wars Battlefront, though. Um, the Fighter Squadron mode, where basically it's 20 players, uh, 10 on each side, plus 10. Uh, bots basically on each side so 20 versus 20 uh, aerial combat you you have um, uh, any of the well, not any but you have X-Wings and A-Wings and TIE Fighters and um, TIE uh, what's the name of the Interceptors yeah um, and you, you have the Millen- Millennium Falcon that shows up here and there and so it's basically dogfighting aerial combat uh, mode for Star Wars uh, once again the sound outstanding it, it that sound alone is kind of nostalgia uh, cola and you, you take one sip and you're right back into your uh, your children's times of watching star wars um could be fun as well it seems a little bit chaotic but um yeah it could could be interesting it seems all right i think there was a i don't know if i'd call it an outcry but there were a lot of people that really wanted um tie fighter to return or a game where you would have aerial combat as a as a as a core part of a of a star wars game and and done well and everything i think this may be a response to that or maybe they planned this the entire time i don't know but 
it does kind of give you that nerd moment. The problem is we're not, you know, these, these vehicles are all going to control the way they do in regular, in regular battlefield combat. So it's not like they're all suddenly going to be flight simulators in space, uh, AKA TIE fighter or X-wing. These are going to be meaning those games, not those ships. Um, th- these yeah, are it's going to be arcadey. Yeah, it's going to be our, well, yeah. arcadey. They may still be, you know, difficult, like in regular battle battlefield games, they're difficult to fly a helicopter or a plane or whatever. They're, they have their challenges, uh, even tanks or whatever are, are unique the way they control. They're not necessarily simulations, though. That's how these will be. And of course, we're talking about fictitious sci-fi ships, so there's no simulation anyway. But but they'll, <laughs> they'll make them, you know, it'll be like, oh, well, the Millennium Falcon's kind of big and unwieldy, so it's a little tricky to fly compared to, say, a, a, an X-Wing or something. But it will be those same kinds of things. So my, my guess, my question is, what what is really the value of this of this mode um outside of living out the childhood fantasy for a little while i think i'll probably just revert to just regular matches and and, you know the way the game is meant to be sort of played on the whole well the thing is that's the that's the problem with the entire game isn't it what's the value of the game other than it being star wars i mean I, i imagine it could be a good game as well it doesn't seem like it's incredibly maybe i'm wrong but it doesn't seem like it's an incredible star wars simulation it really feels like a star warsified battlefield uh and whether you know whether or not it's just a skin on battlefield or what or, or uh they adapted the gameplay for it to work with star wars is still a little bit uncertain but it's not you know completely foreign to battlefield so i would argue that the entire you know most of the value of this game is nostalgia so that plays into into that as well it's sort of the cherry on top of the nostalgia cake that star wars battlefront is is serving everyone yeah no um, question um I, I mean, here's what it needs to be. And by many accounts, it is. It needs to be a strong shooter. It needs to feel really good. It needs to have great weapons, great feedback, great progression. Um, you know, Battlefield is popular for a reason. And this is the Battlefield model set in this, this place. If they can nail all of that, learn from some of the recent mistakes with Hardline and, and previous to that, Battlefield 4. Uh, certainly from a technical perspective on foreign matchmaking and all that, if they can overcome all of that and apply this incredible, I mean, by all accounts, incredible aesthetic we're getting out of this thing in real time, then I think that that you have everything you need. Um, but as always, like we, you know, we've mentioned it three or four times today, and this seems like old hat, but I'll say it again anyway. I don't care how good that thing looks. If you make a, a really nice cake with wonderful frosting, if it's got a cat turd in it, it's still got a cat turd in it. <laughs> You know what I mean? No one's eating that cake. So, so if you want your cake to be good, it's got to be nice, moist, wonderful, tasty, beautiful inside. And then it's got to have this nice sheen on the outside and everything will be fine. I think that game is going to be a genuine hit. I really do. Yeah. So, but you'd still wait for the reviews before, oh, yeah. you know, jumping. Oh, yeah. that, especially because um, in a year where Star Wars seems to be the, the, the end of all time, <laughs> it seems to be the most important thing to all of us nerds. All of it is suspect until... Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't, sure. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go sixty bucks and then be sad. Okay. You know? uh, are you gonna go sixty bucks for Needs for Speed though? Because they introduced uh, basically there are five ways that you can progress in that game, and it was uh, so they 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 invited. Uh, 
basically car racing icons, which I knew none of, but they divided uh, like real world people. They divided them into five categories There's uh, through which you can progress in the game. There's uh, speed, style, build, crew, and outlaw. And within the game, you have live action scenes um, that are played out through the first person, kind of like Guitar Hero. Um, it seems that between Quantum Break, Need for Speed, and Guitar Hero, live action is kind of coming back. But uh, you have those f- live action scenes where uh, people in the game, uh, actors in the game, which are pretty well made, um, you know, no, well acted, great, good dude. production they're like, value. They're like cheesy and terrible. Oh, you think so? so? Well, they're cheap, but in the best way. Like, okay. they, they remind me of that old stuff, like the, the old FMV stuff in the 90s in terms of like <laughs> just the cheese over the top acting and some of that stuff. But they are also so well integrated into the game world with like transitioning to like, go in the yeah. garage, check out your car and the way they shift. That's over. what we saw at E3. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Like, I can't believe how good that looks. That looks amazing to me. And uh, it, for me, it made me think of uh, Fast and Furious without the, you know, second degree <laughs> Uh, kind of, yeah, we know this is kind of silly. So it could get old really quick, but it seems like it's over the top enough that it knows what it's doing. Um, And so anyway, each of those characters are going to try and help you to impress those five icons that you want to impress through those five avenues of uh, progression in the game and so you're going to have different scenes different people different and and then it it drives into i don't know i think it's basically like vr i think it's time we revisit the idea of live action integrated in a game and certainly you know this year and next year we're gonna get the uh the answer to whether or not that works and the answer might be hell no but uh <laughs> we'll see. um they also showed a little bit of gameplay of mirror's edge and uh you know i i've said it many times i'm very excited for the new mirror's edge uh gameplay was super interesting in the first one and the second the sequel is usually where uh the developer refines innovative gameplay and so i'm excited to see whether or not it works in uh, in the mirror's edge catalyst it looks good it, but you know there's only so much you can you can say by just watching a gameplay video especially for a game like this where you kind of already know what it's going to be and it's it you know it just is what you expected so yeah i don't know the first game everyone has a short memory on this game um the first game was was criticized pretty heavily for not being fully baked or having wonderful concepts and ideas and certainly an awesome look and story and and and, you know location and all that stuff but never really uh delivering on a lot of that stuff and then you know the developer just seemed to go silent on it it was like dice just said well all right that was ugly we're gonna not do this ever again and just seemed like we were never gonna get a mirror's edge sequel and at the time, people weren't surprised because it just, you know, if you go back and read some of those reviews, it was pretty meh, mediocre in terms yeah, of it didn't, it didn't bomb, but it didn't get the success that uh, that some people would have hoped. But here's what I think. I think that the 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 look, feel, setting, um, all of that stuff stuck with people. I think it was a strong impression. And I think that stuff drove a very vocal portion of the player base to 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 every minute they could say what about a mirror's edge sequel what about a mirror's edge sequel and i feel like they were trying to do things in what was it oh seven or something that we weren't quite ready for uh in terms of the technology uh just the way you build systems around that maybe even the engine wasn't up to the task or something 
I feel like a lot of that stuff just needed some time. They were ahead of their, they were just ahead of the time a little bit. And now we're kind of there. They can make this thing more quickly. They can, they can build what they really originally envisioned. They have the technology, blah, blah, blah. So Mirror's Edge is on everyone's radar. Again, everyone's very excited about it. And I actually think this is when they really deliver on it. And that thing has the potential to split off into new stories, to create spinoffs, to create sequels, to do uh, all sorts of stuff. I think that's a world that I want to spend some time in. Seconded. Seconded? Yeah. Second. Yes. Looking good. Yeah. Looking good. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was about it for E3. They, they showed a bunch of other stuff, but, uh, you know, I, I'm not too excited about things like uh, FIFA and, you know, their FUT draft mode, uh, FIFA, FIFA Ultimate Team draft mode. I'm not too excited about Plants vs. Zombie, Zombies Garden Warfare 2, um, even though they had a kind of a cute, you know, Grass Effect uh, Z7 mech for Mass Effect. That was funny. <laughs> hey, do you um, think FIFA will have a uh, uh, um, controversy, or, uh, let's see, uh, a scandal mode where you can uh, <laughs> have a giant You can bribe the, the, the FIFA mm -hmm. officials. That would be awesome. Yeah, that would, be someone needs to, some indie game developer needs to do that. Like, call it, I don't know, FIFO. Um, <laughs> and that works. Uh, you know, it's like football, uh, Fédération Internationale de Football, mm -hmm. something, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Um, I think the name is in French, right? Mm. I think so. Is it? Anyway, I'm yeah. sure it could be, I, I'm sure it could be uh, easily uh, uh, made into something fun. Yeah. Um, they also had Unravel, which was cool. You know, that cute little um, physics-based platformer with the Yarny um character the red yarn basically that jumps around it was it was okay but it looks it doesn't look like anything that you know i would jump on absolutely i'm not convinced by the the thing it's cute yes it's good that ea is doing stuff that is not you know triple a guns and and uh, explosions mm -hmm. but yeah yeah um Blizzard, however, had a, um, a press briefing, as we were saying at the, at the show, and they talked about a bunch of things, including the new expansion. Um, let's go over what they talked about. Oh, uh, the press briefing, obviously, it was everything but the expansion. The expansion came out, uh, was announced uh, the day after. But um, before we get into what they talked about at the press briefing and then the expansion... Um, they announced uh, six, uh, a drop in subscribers to 5.6 million, which is the, the lowest number they've had in like eight years. Um, Diablo 3 is doing super well, 30 million units sold. Uh, that's all of the units together. It's not just the base game, right? It's, it's base game plus uh, uh, the expansion plus the console units. So it's still an enormous number, but it's not like 30 million people are you know purchased Diablo three? There are the, the expansions are in it as well. Sure, sure. Um, but that's an it's a massive success by yeah. any, by any metric, no matter how you combine those numbers. That is incredibly huge. Yeah, and, for and, sure. And it's very promising to me because it's still my favorite game of the last three years. So I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty stoked for what that means about the future of that game for sequels, for expansions, for everything else. Not sure there's going to be an expansion though. I'm not sure either. It's the, been a while, right? Yeah, uh, yeah this but it's 2012, right? So. This BlizzCon will either be, here's my prediction, this BlizzCon will either be an announcement of a straight-up sequel, or maybe even StarCraft-style Warcraft 3, the 
divining or something. It was, it was like a whole separate... Diablo 3, you mean? Yeah, Diablo 3, rather. That's what I meant. Um, but they do a, a bit like StarCraft, where it's like big three right. big games, years apart. It could be that. Or an actual expansion. But I'm arguing that if they do an expansion, or even the new thing, we're talking about an updated engine, something more akin to what we're getting out of Heroes in terms of fidelity. Um, and, and, they, and, they, and they keep this train going. Because I, I have absolutely, without a question loved loved diablo 3 especially since reaper was released sure and uh, they can just keep going for all i'm concerned i love that game yeah same with me um i think if we don't get an expansion at this blizzcon it means that it's not gonna come but yeah. uh, but i didn't think about that you know expansion standalone expansion basically uh they reuse all the assets they just put out a bunch of uh, new, you know, a new level cap and they sell an, a quote-unquote expansion, except you can buy it and play it um, independently uh, mm-hmm. without having to own the previous ones. That I could see that working. But, yeah, um, be all right. Yeah. Good. Um, so Hearthstone, Heroes of the Storm and Destiny uh, were announced as having a combined 70 million registered players. And I'm not sure why they combine all of those. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious. Usually when you try to combine stuff, I'm guessing it's either because you don't want to be trapped into that number and everyone's going to look for the next one and judge the entire game by that one number that's going to come out. And that's what what's happening with wow which we'll come back to in a second um but it's it might also be to hide numbers that are not as high as you would have hoped and we know hearthstone is doing super well they announced 30 million players uh a few months ago uh heroes it seems is doing well uh destiny i don't think is doing badly so maybe it's just a grouping but i'm it's a little bit suspect for me yeah i don't know it's hard to say i the the Heroes seems to be doing really well, but how are we judging? Like, okay, so I'm a giant Heroes fan. Um, outside of Diablo 3, it's my favorite thing I'm doing with Blizzard right now. Um, and if and if anything, it's actually the thing I'm doing most of because I'm waiting for that patch for Diablo before I even touch it again. So so if uh, the game I'm playing the most that Blizzard makes is is definitely Heroes of the Storm. But it's very hard for me to tell. Like, if you if you go by Twitch numbers... Which I don't think is a reliable metric of any kind, really. Um, but you can look on there and say, oh, League of Legends, still this big one. But a lot of those are accounts that are running simultaneous streams. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a weird gaming of the system happening on Twitch that, I, that I've been informed about. So it's, it's possible those Dota and League numbers and any other numbers on there are always suspect. But if you go by that as just kind of an indicator, you know, Heroes isn't up in the top three or five and sometimes not even the top 10 of, of streaming games on Twitch. So that's one way we can kind of gauge it, but I don't know how else to gauge it. And in these earnings calls and things, they're not real clear about where it's at. Do you do you have a feeling or think at all that maybe Heroes isn't performing the way they wanted it to? I mean, I'm loving it. Yeah, I know lots of people who are, and but I'm in a I'm in a very distinct bubble, and I also know how stiff the the league and Dota competition really truly can be. Those player bases are fiercely, you know, sometimes they're huge dicks, but they're also fiercely <laughs> defensive of their game of choice. And very difficult for them to even want to look at anyone else, including each other. Um, I, I don't know. You know, I just can't tell. I, I don't think it's doing badly. Um, I think they're making money and they're making enough money to, you know, more than pay for development. Um, I'm curious if they're if they're if they have enough players to, you know, let's say they have six million players on Heroes, right, who play on a regular basis. Sure. 
it's it's still a, an impressive number. It would be as much as WoW numbers. It's not the same because not everyone has to pay to play, but numbers-wise, it's pretty impressive. But would you want to share that with a, a competition that, that shows, what is it, like six over 60 million players for League of Legends? Mm-hmm. Uh Maybe that's the standard it would be judged by, and that's why they don't want to put that number out. I I don't know, but it could be. Um, I don't think it's doing as well as those two, as you're saying. You know, uh, probably. But you know, League of Legends and and Dota, uh, but LOL in particular, they're organizing. Riot is organizing tournaments all the time, mm-hmm. and that's part of the reason why it's so high on, on Twitch. Everyone wants to watch the tournaments uh, all the time, and that's, of course, it's very, very popular, but it's also the reason, part of the reason why. So uh, it might be that you have more, uh, not more, but, you know, lots of players of heroes that are a little bit more casual and just play and aren't into watching the games. I don't know. It's hard to tell. Uh, but, yeah, I guess the the one thing that I would guess it's really a guess is if they had let's say five or six million players monthly maybe they wouldn't want to share that number because dota and lol have many more so yeah that that's a really good point and, and and they i know they're not even trying but just by playing the games all three of them you know that they're trying for a different take and that's good we don't want another clone of yeah. those things um I mean, they, they they would be happy to get 60 million players, of course. It's mm-hmm. obviously, sure. but... Uh, sure. I think they're looking at this in a very long-term way. They're, they're releasing heroes and maps very quickly. Mm-hmm. And releasing maps is something those other two games don't even do. So they're, they're just... They're doing a lot. Um, they seem so excited. They're a big company with a lot of bank. So it's not like they can't make this... Even if it's a lost leader for a while. Which I don't think it is. I really think they're making a lot of money on this. Yeah, but entirely uh, possible. So yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. It's very just. Hard, it's just mm. hard to tell. Yeah, earnings calls because earnings calls just don't say. You know. Well, you know. exactly, and that's why you know those seventy million. It might be something entirely different. It might be that Destiny is not performing as well as they hoped, or it might be that everyone's performing beautifully, mm-hmm. and you know they're they're happy with everyone, and they're just grouping them together to make them less hype dependent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, you know, Hearthstone is around thirty million. Destiny, I'm guessing, is more than 2025 i can't remember if a number was uh, released at some point mm-hmm. um heroes is so heroes is probably anywhere between 5 and 15 million uh registered players mm-hmm. uh probably registered if you're talking registered it's probably more than uh, than a few more than a handful of millions but uh, yeah. anyway we we probably won't have the answer for any time soon um no. what's your take we we discussed the wow numbers on uh, the instance show after uh the announcement of the new expansion yesterday when we recorded as it was being unveiled live um but just quickly what's your take on the 5.6 million uh subscribers for wow um so yeah i mean everybody's keyboard warrioring this number um Oh, I love that expression, keyboard keyboard warrior. Yeah, I love it. If it sounds like I'm trying to diminish uh, and reduce the power of somebody who uses a keyboard to act like they're <laughs> bringers of justice, then you're right. That is exactly what I'm doing. Um, I, I, um, you know, there are a lot of people are saying, "Well, look, we're now now we're." Somebody told me yesterday, "We're down to 2005 numbers," which isn't true at all. Uh, 2005, we were maybe. A million, not quite two million, something like that. So we're we're still well. It, it rose pretty quickly, though. I think it's two thousand six where it was 
uh, 5.6 or 5.9. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to look up the numbers, but this isn't to diminish the the the. I think that that is a not a sign of. It's not a sign of doom and gloom. It's a sign of a 10 going on 11 year old game. Um, I think that the one thing people keep forgetting in this entire equation is that we're talking about a game and its systems, which fundamentally haven't changed that much uh, over the years. There's definitely been improvements. Some would say unimprovements, uh, but there's certainly been visual bumps. There's been innovations in how the game plays and looks and feels and all that. All that stuff is true. Story, blah, blah, blah. Sorry, just let me interrupt you for just a second. Um, the numbers that were announced, December 2005, 5.6 million. Oh, he's the right. The rise was incredible. Yeah, it was real You quick. know, it, it was released in what, October 2004? Mm-hmm. Basically, a year later, it had 6 million. So I have a funny yeah, thing to say go. about that. When I, whenever somebody says uh, it had a meteoric rise, that, that actually means a fast, quick one. When I, when I was... Uh, uh, for some reason, ever since I was a kid, when somebody says meteoric rise, I always think they mean mediocre. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I always do that. So when you said that, it reminded me of that. Anyway, that's not important. What's important is, what is important? Important is um, uh, this. They have 5.6 <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. million subscribers so, and so, it's a 10-year-old game. Yeah. And so for a game that in January or whatever it was, November, December, January had 10, but we're back up to 10 million, you know, this feels like half. And... I guess all I'm saying is I'm not playing WoW as much as I used to at all. Um, and I think a lot of people are just like, well, you know, I've kind of done this for a really, really long time. And it's difficult for them to add something that really fundamentally changes things. And my only real worry about this new expansion is two things. And I'm always bully and optimistic and a fanboy of Blizzard. So I'm always going to be on the side of the, of the positive, no matter what. But if there are two things I'm concerned about, it's, it's one that the game is returning back to a story well that we've now been to technically three major times. If you're talking about the overarching story, and in the case of Illidan Stormrage, uh, in, in WoW anyway, this is at least the second time that we're digging him up, and third and fourth if you count the strategy games and stuff like that. Um, I don't know that I, I... I don't necessarily hate the idea because I love Illidan and I love that, but it does feel like we're just... We're doing a little rinse and repeat here a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, of Burning Crusade, or at least some of the themes around that and certainly characters. Uh, So that surprised me a little bit. I'm fine with it again because I think they'd spin a great yarn. I really enjoyed the Warlord story and going back to that stuff and the twist on time and alternate timeline and all that stuff I think was pretty cool. And this is a continuation of that in a lot of ways. But, um, you know, returning to Illidan again, it feels a little like going back to the well or that you might not have any great new ideas to, to expand from. So that's one thing. Uh, the other thing I worry about is what I saw looked beautiful. I think the new weapon thing, artifact weapon stuff looks amazing. The way you level those weapons up and apply traits to them and all this stuff looks really neat. So some neat innovations there. I like the class hall stuff. All that stuff seems pretty cool. But what I'm basically seeing is wow again. And I'm not saying that's bad for the players who are still loving that. I'm saying that we're definitely at that 10, 11 year mark where you have to ask yourself, have the, has the thing I've been fundamentally doing for 10 years, do I, do I still want to keep doing that? And I think that's why the numbers are down. It doesn't mean it's bad. It just means it's old. That's yeah. all. I mean, there's, there's certainly a, a new way of approaching the game. That's why I like to say on the instance, uh, which we do together, it's 
the the game is is indeed 10 years old and we don't play the game that like we used to we used to play every day several hours a day for months and years on end um i think now most players are going to be looking at the game the expansion buy it and you know play for two or three months and then leave and maybe come back for the next one maybe skip one um and and the big question is going to be they managed to bring back a huge amount of people with warlords of draenor uh they went back up to 10 million as you said uh, are they they going to be able to do that again with um the new expansion with legion and first of all it might go down below 5 million or even less uh between now and the time that that expansion actually comes out because it's it won't happen in a couple of months um but then uh, our people going to come back for that expansion and and spend two three months playing through that content or not um Mm -hmm. well let's talk about the content of the expansion um you you alluded to it um just now but you're gonna basically have for for people who are completely done with wow i think it's absolutely more of the same um Mm -hmm. for people who are still excited about wow it's kind of Yay! More stuff for WoW. Um, and and the thing is, they can't completely change the game. They can't pull the rug under uh, the feet of the people who are still playing or who might want to come back to something somewhat familiar. So it evolves, uh, you know, to a different extent with e- with each expansion. But it doesn't become something entirely different. When you're going to buy, you know, Call of Duty or FIFA from one year to the next, you don't want to all of a sudden go from Call of Duty to, I don't know, Mario, right? You, you want to buy Call of Duty and know what you're going to get. Um, so anyway, th- there's going to be uh, a new hero class, which is the Demon Hunter, something fans have been asking for for a long time. Uh, new zones, that's pretty um, expected. The Broken Isles, which are in the middle of the... Um, world of Azeroth and uh, the theme is that the Burning Legion is coming back and invading Azeroth again uh, with the biggest invasion that they've ever done Um, so you're going to go and have to fight them they're coming on the Broken Isles which are basically lore stuff let's let's skip this this is not the instance Um, artifact weapon where you're going to be able to get legendary weapons in the sense that they are from the lore like um wow players will remember the doom hammer or these kinds of uh, these kinds of things uh, ashbringer i'm guessing frostmorn uh, is going to be uh, in that as well um and you're go- actually going to go and collect these weapons and level them and have perks that you can add to the weapons that will change your spells but wielding this these weapons is kind of exciting for people who know what they mean um you're also going to have class order holes which are going to be where you're going to have followers kind of the uh, mechanic from the garrisons with your followers but a lot more personal you're going to have a handful of them and they're actually going to go on adventure with you we don't exactly know what that implies gameplay wise but um it's going to feel a little bit more personal and my understanding is uh it's still a little bit unclear but my understanding is your class order whole is not going to be only for you um others are going to be uh, other players are going to band with you and um well, not band with you, but they're going to be there as well. Like the social aspect of it is going to be available. You're still going to be the head of your class order, but I don't know exactly how it's going to work. But I was worried it was just an instance where you would be alone again. It looks like it might not be the case. Yeah. Um, 
Adventure to level 110. Uh, that's again well, expected. Confir- confirmed boost to 100. By the way, that's on. The oh, okay, yeah. Actual page. I didn't realize that either. But on the page, there were two things that the that the actual official page told me that I missed somehow in the thing. Because I guess in the video it also said boost to 100, and I missed it. Um, but it says not only are you boosting to 100, or you get one free boost with your account, then you can purchase them like we suspected. But also. Um, Oh, what was the other thing? Oh, that the, the the demon hunter is called a hero class, which you right. have said here, but I it just never clicked with me that oh, we're doing a hero class again, which probably doesn't mean much other than hey, it probably starts at a hundred and it's like death knights in that you you know you know doing something a little bit different or out of the ordinary, but yeah, back to hero classes. So you're gonna have a hero class that probably starts at a hundred, the beginning of the expansion. Same with the boosting, it brings you to one hundred, so you can play with your friends if you get the expansion. Uh, new honor system. If you're into PvP, it's gonna be a little bit more um, easier to get into that honor system. You are gonna have PvP only talents um, that are going to change your experience in PvP, but not affect pve um, and you're not going to have different systems with honor and conquest where you have different you know players getting more um gear and being so much more powerful than the people who don't play as much or as well uh, there are good and bad sides to this but you're going to have uh, more cosmetic cosmetic rewards uh and you know name plates and stuff like that uh beta is going to start later this year uh, it's it's cool content i think i'm gonna you know i was excited yesterday when we watched uh the unveiling um is it going to convince people who are done with wow i don't think so um i think it's going to bring back some people who played warlords and who looked at warlords and decided not to give it a go but uh are going to jump in for the this the next expansion. Um, a new class is always cool because it brings a lot of new gameplay elements. Um, so I think it's it's another WoW expansion, which is always fun. It's not you know changing what WoW is, right? Yeah, it's not. And I think we had it right in our live commentary yesterday when we said the. I think they have enough data to know the pattern, and the pattern right now is make an expansion, try to get it out earlier. I think this is a sign of that happening. Um, yeah, we're, we're hoping early 2016 for the release. So maybe Q1, maybe mid-end of Q1. Yeah, but that's so, a, yeah. And I think the hope is a bunch of people spend thirty nine ninety nine or whatever it's going to be. They come back in, they play for three months, let's say. I don't know what the average is. They probably know better than me, obviously. And that number goes up and then that number goes down. There's a new expansion, number goes up, number goes down and they want to try to maintain as strong a swing each time they do that as possible. That's a, that's sustainable. It's profitable. Um, it only gets crazy if we dip down below, you know, 2 million or something. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's enough sustainability in that particular market. If they up the frequency to drive, to, to drive that player base to keep returning and playing and getting their fun out of it and then canceling, but coming back each time so that we're always seeing like 5 million constant 7 million when people come seven, eight million people come back and then see that go back down. Yeah. I think that's what they're trying to do is find that. Whatever that is, whatever that rotation is, I think that's what they want. At this stage. It's a ten year old game, damn it. It's yeah. just it is. <laughs> and by the way, if we're looking at that meteoric rise. Yeah. Not mediocre. Doesn't mean mediocre, everybody. Right that um, at the beginning, if you look at the bell curve, which is very clearly doing if you you know, take out the outlier of the release of Warlords. Uh, the decrease is also going to be 
steeper as we we get away from the launch right because the bell is getting steeper at the at the end so it's not that surprising that uh, that is going down and i what they're trying to do is stave off that uh, that that inevitable point where you know it might be two years five years ten years where it's not financially viable for them to to maintain the game anymore yeah. um but well, yeah, so it's we'll almost see. like they want to, it's almost like they used to want to do faster turnaround because of creative reasons. Now they want to do faster turnaround for that reason. Yeah, and that's, and that's a good reason. I think it's fine. Um, Hearthstone, we got a bunch of new mechanics introduced over the past couple of weeks. Um, the grand tournament will be released uh, this this month. Uh, most people are saying it's going to be the 24th. It's a new expansion with lots of new cards, 120 or more. Um, and it's probably, the mechanics are probably going to be slowing down um, the game. Uh, it's very aggro-centric. Basically, you, you hit your enemy and don't worry about the minions. Um, at this stage of the of the game, there's going to be mechanics like uh, Inspire, which is going to force players to deal with your minions. Because if you manage to put two or three minions with Inspire and then activate their Inspire uh, text with one hero power, it is going to you know fly off in every direction. So people are going to have to deal with the minions and not just let you put them down and uh, and and go to the face. Uh, same with the jousting mechanic, which uh, has a, a piece of text that activates if um, you get two minions, one from your deck and one from the enemy's deck that show. Uh, and if your minion has a higher mana cost, then you get it. You, you get the text to activate. So the card with the jousting mechanic might have might gain charge, for example. So it will encourage you to put down more, uh, to use more mana expensive um, uh, minions, or at least some of them. But the most important thing that was announced was to me uh, the fact that in ranked play, um, they're going to introduce uh, rewards. Mm -hmm. And the rewards are going to be for the highest rank you attained that season or that month. Um, that's really cool because the problem with ranked play was that once you attain a high rank, you were kind of afraid to uh, keep playing because you didn't want to stoop down too low after that because you would lose the number of stars uh, you would get at the beginning of the next season. Here, it's not going to matter anymore. And even more than that, you're going to be motivated to keep going up because you get... Uh, golden cards and uh, dust and of course the card back if you get above rank 20 um, and the stars to start a little bit higher on the next uh, month so it's going to make it's interesting to keep climbing up the ranks in in rank play in, in normal mode so that's kind of cool um heroes is your thing scott yeah, johnson love it so they announced a bunch of stuff uh for heroes do you want to go over it they did. Um, I'll rip through it. So they have a new, um, uh, they're doing a final, well, I, who knows what final means, but for this big Diablo 3 push uh, theme that they've been going through, they have this new map called the Infernal Shrine map. It's a smaller three-lane map. It's very similar to the previous map, the Battlefield of the Eternities, uh, in that it's like this a very similar art asset. So it looks like, you know, split heaven and hell and so on. The difference here is uh, there's these shrines like you see in Diablo 3, that if you control them, will summon Punishers, not Marvel Punishers, but <laughs> that would be cool though. Various other punishments. <gasps> I wish. Oh my God! 
<laughs> you just you just gave me like chills blowing, blowing your mind. Um, and by the way, MOBAs based on comic universes are pretty cool ideas. But man, I'm sad. I played the I played the DC one. It's pretty good, and it got canceled. I'm super sad about hmm. that. But, it, it, like a week after it got released. But anyway. Blizzard is the kind of company that could make, you know, uh, uh, a Marvel uh, integration into Heroes. Oh, sure. That could work, right? Well, they kind of already have. They made, um, what's, uh, I always forget her name, the, the female um, uh, the female barbarian. I can't think of her name. Sonia. Uh, Sonia, that's it. I should, jeez. <laughs> it's my wife's name, dude. Yeah, I just remembered. Yeah. It was, oh, it I, just, I, I'm i sorry, Scott. I can't remember. Come, Klum. Okay, keep going. Anyway, she. Um, uh, what was my point? Oh, she has a. Uh, she has a. One of her skins is a. Is a like a Captain Marvel looking awesome skin in which he hits uh, minions with it, makes a little pap pow smack like little comic book word bubbles, and I didn't she's, that, that one's super cool. Um, so they they definitely have the chops to do it. If they ever got a license like that, it'd be pretty neat. But anyway, uh, this Infernal Shrine map, you 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 summon these Punishers. They are like these big brutish demony lord looking dudes that are themed in some cases so like you know ice and fire and and all that kind of stuff it's pretty pretty cool um that looks really good hard to know how it plays till we play it i think the last one was amazing i think battlefield of the eternities is probably my favorite map. isn't it just singular battlefield of eternity did i say there's one eternity I you're think. probably right is yeah. it i don't know yeah and those punishers go after heroes and they Correct. stun oh, the oh that's heroes, important right? to know yeah, yeah that is not a um yeah, it doesn't really push the lane or destroy the buildings. Or- sure, sure. Which is a real big change because, you know, they've been very creative about the two or three kinds of map mechanics that happen. They just happen in ways that seem very different, but really they're kind of boiled down to the same core thing, like pushing the lane or, you know, uh, something gets cursed or or whatever, or a big golem is created and either you control it or in some maps it's controlled by the AI and pushes lanes. But in this case... These go after heroes, very unique, very different. So it's AI versus heroes, and they're really rough and tough, it appears to be. So that looks really fun. Can't wait for that. Also, Rexar is coming. I guess, uh, well, I should say the monk is coming first. So uh, Karazim is coming first. He's a melee healing tank uh, support, technically, which would be the first. Is it tank? I'm not sure about. I know it's melee and healing. Does he he do tank as well? He does. No, he does. So he does. I shouldn't say tank. He's He can... Uh, what I mean by that is he's melee, I guess. So just melee, okay. melee support. He's the first uh, Diablo-themed support character. There are no other support right. healers in that group. So now, in theory, and actually quite a good composition, you could build a really amazing Diablo-only team that could be pretty formidable. So I'm very excited about him joining the fray. Uh, then You're we get such Rex- a nerd. Yeah, I know. I freaking love this stuff. <laughs> Uh, Artanis is coming. This is the big, talk, much talked about free. If you buy uh, the digital, is it digital deluxe or maybe the normal version of Legacy of the Void, StarCraft Two? Uh, but anyway, this is a hero you get with that that expansion slash standalone game. Uh, but also, he'll be purchasable, of course, like any of the others with golden money. Uh, that's Artanis. He's the first melee tank, uh, so actual warrior class for StarCraft carry, uh, characters in the game so they're really filling out the themed uh characters with a a, a good mix wow having the most mix right now and then after that we assume after that i'm not sure exactly on the order here maybe rexar first but rexar is coming and the weird bit about rexar is he is not ranged assassin or even specialist he is a warrior uh in the wow group of characters and will and he's the thick kind of stocky looking rad 
Rexar from Hearthstone, not the tall, weird-looking, yellowy one from WoW, um, which I'm very pleased about. I think he's so cool in Hearthstone. And he has his bear companion. Forgot the name of the bear. Um, uh, Misha? Thank you. It? That's it. Yeah. Same name as my sister. So look at the names I forget that people oh, know. My sister's name is Misha. Anyway... Uh, he's, he sends that bear out to do stuns and, and various attacks and charges and things, but he is basically a ranged warrior, which is very strange in the game. I guess there's a few you could probably classify as that, but this one just, the mere fact that he's one of the most famous hunters in the, in the history of WoW makes him a very interesting choice for warrior. So jazzed about all that stuff. Um, they're putting out content very quickly. I think they kind of have to, they want that stable of characters to build as fast as possible. The other MOBAs have tons of characters and years to have made them. So I feel like Blizzard's in uh, kind of overtime mode to get that happening, but uh, they all, you know, they're all fun they're, I haven't played a character. I hate um, They're just all fun. That game is great. They really are killing it with that game. <laughs> and I, and I want to play it all the time, including now. Well, uh, another game I really I, I'm not so much into heroes I played here and there but it didn't grab me in the way that uh, Hearthstone <laughs> did I, I keep saying Hearthstone it's not just you uh, it's it's terrible Hearthstone yeah. Yeah. I really should like get a, a kind of dog collar that you know <laughs> gives a kind of an electric electrical shock when I say Hearthstone sure um Anyway, so Overwatch, uh, we didn't get a date for the beta, and that was that made me sad. Uh, but we know it's coming in the fall, and the fall might mean, you know, December 21st. But uh, hopefully a little bit sooner. They introduced a couple of maps, uh, one with moving platforms, which was a little bit of a weird mechanic, but could be cool. And uh, one uh, from Numambi, uh, Numbani, sorry, uh, an uh, African city, which is the richest city in the world. There was kind of a uh, Wakanda vibe for another um, Marvel reference there. Uh, and it was a capture into escort map, like the King's Road, I think, that we've seen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they introduced a, a hero called Lucio, which is a, a DJ. He's on roller skates, and he, he's from Rio, and all of his abilities are kind of sound-based. So he can, like, up the beat and make everyone run faster. He can uh, wall run or wall skate, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a sound barrier barrier that uh, shields uh, uh, the team that stands next to him. Um, a bunch of stuff. He, he he does look a little bit... I know you didn't love that character, Scott. He looks a little bit like the odd man out, kind of. like. But um, Yeah, I don't know how I feel about him yet. He's, he's, he's just a little goofy from... <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, like everyone else has big, big guns and robots and swords yeah. and, 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 and he you stands know, out, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not really like like everything's a superhero in that game, pretty much. And he doesn't seem like one. He's just a dude with a weird speaker that rolls around. on. Like he's a combination of uh, Eddie Goro from uh, Gordo, Cor- Gordo, sorry, from Tekken uh, combined with that. Uh, what was that? Oh, shoot. The Sega Jet Set game. Radio. Yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I was thinking about. Yeah, it's definitely got that vibe. And I guess that's okay. It's not bad. Yeah. But it's it's just not my, I don't know, not my favorite thing I've seen so far. But then again, you know, some would say the actual, the last two heroes have been a little bit um, disappointing. And and I'm not so sure. Uh, well, I mean, I actually think the 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 second to last one, the the, the soldier looks like he plays really well. So Soldier 76, yeah. was it? Or 77? Yeah, is. That's, that's it. He 76. looks really interesting in terms of how he plays. And he seems like a good general character for people to get into. Visually and sort of just aesthetically, aesthetically and story-wise, he seems super boring. But 
Um, but this guy just seems like, what are you doing here? Like you're a DJ, get out of here. <laughs> well, we'll see. He looks cool on it on his own. Mm-hmm. Uh, he definitely looks a bit weird in the middle of uh, everyone else. But and you know, at the same time, there's like a giant ape and a robot that transforms into a turret, and God knows what else. So yeah. and a cowboy and but yeah, I guess all of the other ones have a a kind of a badassness that he doesn't really have. He's he's more like cool bro than a badass <laughs> that's right. a good way of putting it yep um starcraft 2 not much to say about it um it's gonna be out later this year it has uh, uh it's gonna be a standalone one so if you haven't played the previous uh, games in the starcraft 2 series you can just buy this one and be set to go there's gonna be a co-op mode called allied commanders which is basically objective-based co-op with leveling. So you're going to level your dude within that map um, and you're going to get get access to more. Um, it, it's basically single-player games, but with more people. And the single-player games differ from uh, multiplayer if you've ever played StarCraft. So uh, yeah, it could be cool. I, I, it, I'm very intimidated by multiplayer in, in StarCraft. I've played like a few games and every time I was... It's hard to grasp, so maybe a co-op mode could could be fun. I, I could get into that. Yeah, I think that looks pretty good. Um, I don't know, man. There's so many game. There's so many games in Blizzard stable right now. Yeah, that that's a problem, isn't out. it? It's crazy, and it's and it it is funny because I'm doing the same thing I used to always do, which is I'll sit down and if I haven't played a bunch of games for a while, there's nothing new on the horizon. I'll go. Uh, what do I want to play? I'll play something with Blizzard because I know I'm. I know I can get in quick. I can have my fun and I can get out. And I'm still doing that, but now it's an argument between which Blizzard game. And that's <laughs> that's we, a weird place to be. I think yeah. it's a strange time. It's it's a real renaissance, and I'm loving it. I don't have a single complaint. But yeah, you, that's a good problem to have for a gamer, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. When your favorite um, game company is making six games actively, I think we can all, <laughs> I think we can yeah, all take some solace in that. Yeah, and, and Overwatch, you know, the beta is probably going to be out by the time StarCraft II comes out. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Um, and that's about it for, for Blizzard. Um, a good chunk of stuff. Definitely the, the WoW expansion, the biggest news. Um, a, a bunch of very quick additional tidbits. There was a lot of things at Gamescom um, announced and shown and, and all of this. But there were a couple uh, I wanted to go over very quickly. Um, the, the first one is Final Fantasy XV, which, by the way, is probably going to launch in 2016. That wasn't 100% certain, but it seems like it's it's being confirmed. We're not going to have to wait until 2017, which was a possibility. Um, they, they showed a new trailer, which I'm going to swear. So if you have children, cover their ears for, you know, 10 minutes. The new trailer I, I put this down. The new trailer is boring as fuck. <laughs> I mean, what is this? Seriously, half of the trailer, which is about a minute and a half, I would guess, mm-hmm. is a dad hugging the, the hero when he was a child. Uh, Lucius, Lu, Lucius, I think. Um, and half the trailer is just grandiose, you know, orchestral music with the dad hugging the kid. And... Maybe it has, you know, gravitas and it has significance if you're into the game and you know what it means and it's a very touching scene if you're if you actually have context. But without it, it's just a hug that seems to never end. Yeah. And 
you know, it feels like the kind of Japanese emotional, like we're gonna make you cry type of thing, which they are, you know, into. I, I've, I've seen a lot of it. I've lived in Japan, and they, they have that, you know, uh, element to their, to their uh, common psyche. But it, it just didn't work in the trailer. It doesn't mean the game is not gonna be good, but it just, it stood out for me like a th- sore thumb. Um, yeah, I don't know what the crap's happening. I don't like it. Um, I find yeah. it, I find it. Um, if I didn't know it was a game tied to it, I I wouldn't know it was a video game. I would just, I would just think this is like, <laughs> which is not necessarily a bad thing. And no, you know, no, no, Final no. Fantasy has always had wonderful cinematics. Sure, sure. No, they're known for them. And back back in the day, they were kind of you know the people you would look to for these things. I think others do it better now. But um, but but that looks like just some three D animated anime deal that doesn't have any. I don't I I don't look at that outside of logos. I don't see the Final Fantasy in this. Mm. And I know that that game's already seen as a little bit weird. That's got like a car and, you know. Yeah, dude. it's open world Final Fantasy. They try to modernize it. And, you know, there's the demo that's been out. It's it's not perfect, but it's, I, I don't know. Well, never been a huge fan. So for me, it's, yeah, I think that might be yeah. the issue, right? Yeah. It's, for me, it's just not the thing I'm most jazzed about and probably least jazzed about, to be honest. I yeah. don't really care about Final Fantasy anymore. Yeah, I used to be such a big fan. Um, I'm I'm curious to see if they're going to manage to make this license, uh, this franchise work in the modern world, finally. But mm-hmm. uh, we'll see. Yeah, um, yeah MGS5 is going to come out September 1st. Just a reminder, it's less than a month away now. Um, yeah, I'm not... We'll see. We'll see. Um, we'll I am excited about that. I think this, Are you? this will be the last Metal Gear you get that has Kojima's hand in it. Oh, yeah. Obviously, yeah. And and Oh, by the way. Sorry. Keep going. He's oh. a psycho, and I love every weird thing he ever did. <laughs> and I love his craziness. So I'm very excited for that crazy. This will be the one. This, this is maybe the most excited I've been about Metal Gear since the first PlayStation 1 uh, sort of reboot thing they did. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 1. Okay. So I'm actually pretty jazzed about it. And I I think this may be the, the next and probably last Metal Gear I care about. Did you play uh, Ground Zeroes? No, but I that's well thought of by most of the people I talk to. Um, Did, it, it was uh, free for PlayStation Plus subscriber last month. Oh, I missed it. Crap. Oh. I spent too much time playing Rocket League, man. <laughs> probably, yeah. That game, oh. Um, anyway, we'll have answers in less than a month, um, for sure. I, I'm guessing those who love Metal Gear are going to love it. Those who don't are not going to love it. And, yeah, prob- uh, probably. But, you know, open world Metal Gear, and apparently it works. So it could be interesting. Yeah. Um, Call of Duty PC is going to have, like, split screen, uh, dedicated servers, a bunch of stuff that PC gamers are going to love. Uh, that's Black Ops 3, of course. Uh, and Destiny... Um, First of all, the Taken King, the expansion that's coming out on September 15th, is going to have, it's going to include some kind of a level boost for players who just get in now to play with their friends uh, directly at the uh, last level, you know, at the beginning level of the expansion. Um, And they're also redoing a bunch of stuff in that game um the leveling cur- the leveling experience uh, is one of them you're going to be leveling all the way to the max level currently you had at level 20 um a system where the gear you got had a, a property that was called light that would make you level higher and get you you know 
make you stronger. Um, so now it's not going to go through the gear. It's going to be just straight up regular leveling until the max level. And then I'm sure there's going to be some kind of item level thing that's going to keep you leveling because it is very MMO-ish in its uh, mechanics. But the more important thing is that uh, they are entirely replacing uh, Peter... Uh, uh, oh, God, what's his name? Uh, Dinklage um, oh, yeah. in the game. Yeah, yeah, entirely. Uh, basically, he was playing the the little ghost, the little robot companion that was floating around you, and t- basically your main communication element with the game. And uh, they're they're reviewing the the entire quest system uh, to make it a little bit more engaging. And the notoriously bad voice acting done by uh, Dinklage uh, is going to be completely re-recorded by uh, Nolan North. So one of the most uh, well-known, well, they've already done it, but one of the most well-known voices in gaming right now um, mm-hmm. is going to be your, the voice of your ghost from the beginning of the game. So um, they completely did away with the Dinklebot. Um, and uh, <laughs> that, that's a, an interesting development. But it's I think it's incredibly, a good you know what? It really does say something about how poor his, it was terrible. It was never good. And it, it's, well, it sucks yeah, it was never good. It, it wasn't horrible. I think it was it was not great, but it wasn't horrible. I'm curious to see what it will be with with Noel North doing it. And I'm not going to blame him because some of that's direction. Who knows? You know, and, and also not every actor who blows us away on screen. And he is, by all accounts, wonderful in Game of Thrones. He's one of the most compelling characters there. And he was really good in The Station Agent and a million other things. He's really good. Why he's in a Pixels movie, I don't know. But anyway, whatever. Um, I like him. I like Peter Dinklage a lot. So much to my dismay, the, my initial impressions of him in Destiny were like, ugh, this is freaking awful. Yeah. And maybe he's just not cut out for reading video game dialogue. And I think that's fine. And so just the fact that they're excising him completely like some sort of tumor is is very <laughs> and telling and certainly nolan yeah. has no no one has more experience than him he'll be great yeah yeah and and you know better they do it now than record another uh set of uh, uh voices and then have to do it later um and and yeah for sure he's he wasn't great but the story in this game is abysmal um i'm hoping they're taking steps to to fix it, it they've said it they're taking steps to fix it with the taken king but the story and the that like i can't imagine having to deliver those lines with as little context as there is in that in that game i you know they always do these things in isolation but still like your disembodied voice from coming from a robot and you're like that wizard came from the moon and <laughs> oh god that anyway really bad um well Thanks i guess the reminder that's... by the way that was really really bad dialogue anyway, <laughs> monologue most of the time yeah. not even dialogue you know it's there um all right that's gonna be it i think that's a pretty good um panorama of what happened at gamescom hopefully uh, you dear listener enjoyed it um and if you want more scott johnson are you going to be recording an episode of the boob show finally yes, yes the boob show which when you say it sounds like boob show but boob show uh <laughs> will <laughs> will be finally making its triumphant return so <clears throat> uh nerdtacular which we just got done with and where the last pixels episode was recorded was uh always a chaotic thing and i am so behind on everything um that it's just ridiculous but 
the show will be coming back, not only coming back, but coming back today. There'll be a new episode out today, which is Friday, the whatever today is, the 6th, 7th? What is it? 7th. Jeez, this month is already flying by. Um, anyway, so yeah, look forward to that. Uh, some of the same stuff, same stuff that we covered here will be talked about. And of course, um, things that have happened, uh, you know, before and since Gamescom that are worthy talking about. But people can find that show over at frogpants.com slash boop. That's B-O-O-P. And uh, follow me on Twitter for when all that stuff goes live at Scott Johnson. Excellent. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, the month is is flying by and I need my uh, Extra Life book. Yeah, Come it's on, coming. get to work, sir. Yeah, that's uh, August is basically <laughs> August is book month. So, <laughs> well, uh, I, may, I may I may very much by mid month be seem like some sort of strange hermit that never comes out of a hole. But <laughs> I, I gotta, I'm, I'm on it. I'm loving it. Thanks everybody who may be listening who supported it, uh, including Patrick. I'm so stoked to be finally putting this together, and I want it to be really nice and special. So, all extra care, no no expense spared, trying to make it the best thing ever. So, uh, should be fun, should be good, and should be out soon. Excellent. Uh, for me, it's uh, not Patrick on Twitter. You can find this show uh, at frenchspin.com and you can also find the Fides Club over there, a show where we talk about world news with people from around the world. It's it's a lot more fun than you might think. Uh, and yeah, go listen to The Boob Show. And uh, if you want to have something uh, a little bit more long form analysis with basically conversations come back to pixels and you can get it in your um in your podcasting app of course and you will get it free every time it's available amazing technology so subscribe and you'll get it every two weeks uh thanks so much scott for being on the show thanks so much everyone for listening we will talk to you about in a couple of weeks with another episode bye bye now (laughs) 